Today's episode of Wire to Wire is brought to you by GameTime. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think football tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with GameTime, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. GameTime is the leader in last-minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download GameTime in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last-minute tickets. Welcome in to Wire to Wire as we head into week six, our big Monday edition of Wire to Wire, although not sure how big it's going to be, looking like another quiet week on the waiver wire for the second week in a row, but we still got some names that you should be chasing. I am your host, Michael Beller, joined as always by Brandon Funston. Funston, how you feeling uh, heading into uh, the week six week here? Yeah, I'm feeling good. I I guess we shouldn't lament that it's not a big wire-to-wire week because usually that means there was a bunch of injuries when there is a big week, right? Like so, we're we're happy for the health of the NFL players, but uh, in terms of you know creating opportunities on the waiver wire, that's the I guess the only downside to that. Yeah, there's uh, there's really not a whole lot to go on. Not going to be changed most likely by the Monday night game uh, between the Cleveland Browns and San Francisco 49ers. So it's a uh, it's going to be a light week on the waiver wire. Although there are some guys who uh, who are going to be relatively interested in, especially with our first four team bye week of the season coming in week six. Uh, you can find Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Funston. You can find me on Twitter. At M. Beller. Still got our uh, 40% off deal going. If you check out theathletic.com slash wire to wire, if you're listening to this in the free verse, go there. Uh, you can find yourself 40% off an annual subscription to The Athletic. There you will get Jake Seeley's waiver column, which will be live at midnight Eastern on Monday night. And always a great thing to pair with this edition of Wire to Wire, cover the entire waiver wire from all corners of the fantasy football world by putting those two things together. Uh, as I said, it's our first four-team bye week of the season, and six of the next seven weeks have at least four teams on bye. Some of those have six, so this is that bye week portion of the schedule that we talk about the waiver wire being even more important than it is uh, at other points of the season. Uh, it's the Bears, Raiders, Colts, and Bills taking a sit here in week six, so consider uh, your roster if you got Allen Robinson or Josh Jacobs or T.Y. Hilton, Josh Allen, guys along those lines, you could be looking for some additional help on the waiver wire. We're going to start with our top three plays on the wire this week. Two of them are tight ends, but Funston, not entirely by default. Uh, We'll start with Gerald Everett. He's actually doing some things that would catch our attention, even if this were a very uh, popular heavy waiver, waiver wire week. Yeah, absolutely. I think what you're saying, what you mean by that is averaging about 10 targets, six catches, and what, like, uh, doing the math, like 90 yards over the last two weeks. That would catch your attention even if that was a wide receiver. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 12, the exact numbers are 12 catches on 19 targets for 180 yards and a, a pair of touchdowns. He had eight targets, uh, at least, in, in both of these games and an 81% snap rate. 
uh, in week five. Uh, we know that the Rams were uh, one of the heaviest 11 personnel teams in the league last year. I think actually the heaviest uh, played it on something like 95% of their snaps. And what that means is uh, one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers on the field. That is not great news uh, for the tight end position, but uh, that's changing a little bit with the way that defenses are attacking the Rams, uh, putting six guys on the line. That's forcing Sean McVay to go to a little bit more 12 personnel, which is one running back, two tight ends. And that is meaning a lot more uh, work in the passing game for Gerald Everett. Brandon Cooks also suffered a concussion uh, for the Rams uh, on Thursday night. Now, obviously, he'll have 10 games to get back. But uh, I think even if he is back, we're going to see more 12 personnel from this team going forward. And Gerald Everett, always an athlete, always a guy we've been waiting for to flash. And we're starting to see it the last two weeks. Uh, in my mind, he can be someone who uh, is looked at as a regular starter at this position. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, look, this guy was the 44th pick a few years ago out of South Alabama. And, and to be someone that's get picked that high in the NFL draft out of that small of a college, you have to have some uncommon athleticism. And he definitely does have that. And he has flashed in the past. This is where I get a little bit leery about him because I've been down the waiver wire path with him a few times. You know, he'll have a game where he has like 90 some yards or. You know, we've seen him have like the one catch 40 yards touchdown kind of a game and you can see the athleticism. And honestly, it was, you know, last week against Seattle, that was his best game as a pro in terms of just seeing it all on display. The 11 targets, the eight catches, he was just an absolute thorn in the side of that defense. And I think that's something in this offense, if they, as you as you mentioned, they go more 12 personnel, uh, they're willing to kind of commit more to their tight ends. It's been something that they haven't been willing to do because they have three great, they have three great receivers. They had a great running back. And, you know, maybe now with Todd Gurley slowing down their their load management with him, you got the concussion with Brandon Cooks, and it's opening things up for Gerald Everett. If they commit to this, this is the kind of guy with, like I said, with his athleticism and, and this offense. Um you know, there's there's not a deep pool of tight ends out there. And just one big game from Everett, you know, already has them in the top 10. It's easy to see top 10 upside with this guy uh, if they can kind of stay consistent with his usage. Yeah, I agree entirely. Uh, in my home league, I have one tight end on my team. It is Darren Waller. He has a bye this week. Gerald Everett is still sitting out there, and I'm going to be putting a uh, you know not a not a massive bid on Gerald Everett, but I'm going to do you know generally what it takes to get him on my team for this week because I, I think not only does he have that sort of juice for for the short term, but that he could be someone who we are talking about as you know, being a top ten top ten excuse me tight end for the rest of the season. I think that uh, in deeper leagues you could flex him if you have a good tight end, and in in those leagues if you don't have a good tight end, uh, if we're talking deeper, if we're talking. I mean, I think Funston in a 12-team league, he's probably already uh, – I mean, don't you feel better about him than Eric Ebron or Jimmy Graham or Jason Witten, the guys who we're talking about in that range uh, on last week's ranking show with Jake? Yeah, I, I do because, you know, you look at a guy – some of these guys are – you know, you've seen Jimmy Graham just absolutely disappear for a couple weeks at a time. Jason Witten really can't get more than about four targets a game. Like, I think even when he – you know, if he goes back um, – you know, you're probably getting three or four targets from him most weeks anyways. And at this point in their career, I'd rather have the, you know, the ball in Gerald Everett's hands and Jason Witten hands in, in terms of yak and what might happen with those catches. So yeah. And just in terms of straight upside, I definitely think that he would trump those guys you mentioned. Now let's consider him against the other tight end. We're uh, thrown out there as a top three pick. It's Chris Herndon. We've talked about him a bunch in this space. He's still widely available in the uh, fantasy football world. And, 
best of all, he is back from suspension this week, uh, served his four-game suspension plus the uh, bye for the Jets, so he returns in week six. Uh, last year, 39 catches, 56 targets, 502 yards, and four touchdowns. Uh, if he didn't have the suspension looming over his head to start the season, he certainly would have been a guy who is, I think, like in the Delaney Walker range probably in drafts. You know, we're somewhere around yep. tight end 10, tight end 12, somewhere in that range. Uh, obviously, he's sitting out there. Um, I, I think he's basically right in that class with Everett. I mean, I think both of these guys immediately jump the Ebrons and the Wittens and guys like that. I think that if I need a tight end, I'm taking a shot on one of these two guys this week. Yeah, I like how you didn't say which one you're taking a shot on because I'm not really sure I know what <laughs> either. You know, it's like I think, I think uh, you know, you probably p- play the recency bias a little bit, and and I I maybe put a contingency bid with Herndon that Everett's my first pick, but I might you know spend the same amount of money. Like I I, I think these guys are pretty close, and I agree in rankings going into the season. If he wasn't on suspensions, probably in that back end tight end one class and. Uh, very athletic. We like the way he kind of had the chemistry with Darnold down the stretch and how things kind of slowly, you know, percolated during the season with him. You can see Quincy Nunwa has been out. This is a team that likely is going to be chasing on the scoreboard a lot. They're using Le'Veon Bell in the passing game a lot, Jamison Crowder. I mean, I just think there's there's going to be opportunities uh, for him to be utilized uh, in those situations as well. Do you put any – is the this team situation, team context, do you think that can be a tiebreaker? I sort of do. I I, I feel like I prefer – maybe Herndon. not. Cause I liked Herndon coming into the season, um, and, and I do have him stashed on a few teams uh, where that made sense, deeper leagues, where it was fine, where I was totally comfortable drafting Herndon, knowing he wouldn't be back till week six. Um, so I did like him, but, I mean, there, there's something about the Rams team context that suggests that maybe the, the upside is higher there. I don't know. I I, th- I agree with you. The more I the more I start like you know sounding it out, it feels like a a true like you know six of one half dozen of the other situation. Yeah, and I think it would have been you know coming into the season Herndon, and you would have thought business as usual for the Rams. Their three receivers are going to be the same kind of offense. I think we might be seeing them change things up a little bit. Uh, this isn't going to be the, the the exact same offense. Teams have adjusted to them a, a bit uh, in what they're doing schematically, and as I mentioned, just you know the changes in, in Todd Gurley. This isn't a, this isn't going to be an offense that's going to lean on him. They're going to have to look other places. I just think you look at the last couple of weeks. The wrinkle of the tight ends worked out pretty well, not on the scoreboard, but, you know, Gerald Everett's been productive, and I, I would be surprised if they just, you know, let him kind of pull a groundhog's day where he goes back into his hole. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I think both these guys, though, worth uh, worth going after, and uh, Chris Herndon certainly gets a little bit uh, of a boost, uh, assuming that, you know, Sam Darnold, uh, he practiced all week last week, so uh, if, if I were a betting man, which I am, uh, I would bet that we see him uh, in week six, and certainly by week seven, uh, but I would bet that he's back out there for the Jets uh, this week. Uh, so that is also a nice uh, check in the favor of Chris Herndon. Last guy uh, that we uh, have singled out as our top one of our top three plays on the waiver wire this week is Auden Tate. Uh, six plus targets in each of his last three games uh, that has translated into 22 total targets, of which he's caught 13 for 164 yards and a touchdown. Uh, that came uh, on Sunday of this week. He also dropped a touchdown in that game uh, for the Bengals in week five, so it could have been an even better day. John Ross out for a while. A.J. Green making his way back, but likely still out another couple of weeks, and that is being reflected in Auden Tate's snap rate. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, he played 89%, then in week four, 91%, and yesterday, 100% 
of the Bengals' snaps. Uh, for me, that, it's as simple as that, Funston. Six targets in the last three games. He's playing every single snap. I think he should be owned in pretty much every competitive league out there. Yeah, he's. I, I agree with you that he's probably the wide receiver that you should be most interested at in, uh, assuming there's not some random receiver that shouldn't be available out there uh, on your waiver wire. I mean, uh, I was, you know, I was reading the inside injuries mailbag. Uh, I edit that one, and, and given his injury, they were inside injuries was surprised that the original six to eight t- uh, week timetable. They would not be shocked if he was out through their week nine bye. So um, they think a realistic return is week ten. If that proves to be the case, then you can pick up Auden Tate and you have some pretty good run with him for basically a month. Um, and, and you know, I, I don't, we're not hearing a lot that AJ Green is really close to ready to return. So I'm kind of sort of buying into the narrative because they have a week nine buy that, that it makes a lot of sense that maybe he comes back after the buy. Yeah. And how do you diagnose also, and this is just us sort of feeling it out, but uh, a team that is, you know, all but out of playoff contention already, AJ Green, uh, an oft injured player in his early thirties. On the one hand, they have, you know, no reason to rush him back because of that. On the other, it's not like they're saving him for any sort of playoff run. Um, Is this just a pure situation you think of? Let's make sure that our, the guy who's given us so many great years of service is healthy before we throw him out there. Yeah, I think so. I think this this season kind of, you know, going off the rails, it's losing to Arizona at home. Uh, you know, that's just kind of indicative of where they're at. I almost think it's time to blow this thing up. It certainly yeah. makes sense for the, them to give a guy like Auden Tate a good run. And then you wonder if it is time to blow it up, would A.J. Green be a guy they could deal at the trade deadline, which certainly. I believe is like right around their bye week. Like, or it's like. Yeah, I think it's the last weekend of October. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, that wouldn't be a shocker if he gets kind of like uh, the Demarius Thomas treatment or something, you know, right. where Demarius Thomas was moved at the at the deadline last year. So uh, maybe he comes back and let everybody know that he's healthy. Uh, who knows? But it's just speculative. But there's no real reason to rush him. And there's no real reason to keep him at this point. Now, it's going to be a long time before Cincinnati is ready to be uh, contending again, at least the way things look right now. So, yeah, agree entirely. Auden Tate, I think, is going to have uh, I think he's going to have value for the rest of the season. I'd be surprised if even if AJ Green is a bangle for the entire year, that Auden Tate was suddenly gone uh, from this team's game plan come, you know, week 10 or 11. So those are our top three guys, Gerald Everett, Chris Herndon. And Auden Tate, we now turn our attention to the rest of the waiver wire. We go position by position here. We start at the running back position where we begin with Chase Edmonds. Now, this is mostly a play on David Johnson. He suffered a back injury uh, in that win for the Cardinals over the Bengals. Doesn't sound like it's too serious, but again, over the next couple of days here, we're not exactly sure that the uh, information may not come to us before the waiver run uh, on Wednesday morning. So um, if you need to make a play at this position, Chase Edmonds can be a guy for you. 68 yards on eight carries, also scored a touchdown, got four targets in the, that game, caught three of them for 18 yards. So essentially, Funston, they treated him like David Johnson. You know, this is going to open up the handcuff discussion. Right. And now you throw – and I have David Johnson in a couple – places this year and i have i have you know one league's deep enough where i can carry a chase Edmonds. one league isn't um but i think the point that you know was emphasized yesterday is that you know if you have room to add a handcuff for david johnson chase Edmonds looked like he would be a a pretty viable productive player if david johnson were to be you know sidelined for any length of time i always i never like got into the the chase Edmonds. oh this guy you know is is someone that you should draft and consider as an as a standalone value kind of guy like they're never going to go away from david johnson and his size and his speed and right. his, you know and 
for a guy who's five foot nine and 205 pounds. Like he's a, he's a nice backup and, and he showed that he can be, you know, have, have the potential for some upside if Johnson's out, but that's all it is. Yeah. That's I, all it is. Agree entirely. I think that's really what the play is here. And the fact that he's the first guy we're talking about, the running back position tells you uh, what a soft week it is on the waiver wire. Uh, next guy is John Hillman. Who? John Hillman uh, stepping in for uh, Wayne Gallman uh, in the Giants. Uh, Gallman suffered a concussion in the first quarter of the uh, Giants loss to the Vikings in week five. Uh, the, the numbers were predictably uh, bad for Hillman. Nine carries for 20 yards, uh, caught one of two targets for four yards, but he played 64% of the snaps. Uh, it's hard to imagine Gallman clearing the concussion protocol for uh, the Giants game this week because it is Thursday night at New England. Uh, but then that, of course is at New England, uh, which doesn't mean that John Hillman is going to be that productive of a guy. And Saquon Barkley uh, is way ahead of schedule, it sounds like. I would be surprised if they rushed him back for this game against the Patriots, but week seven certainly seems plausible for uh, Saquon Barkley. For those reasons entirely, uh, John Hillman is a desperation play only for me on the waiver layer. Only, yeah, absolutely desperation play. Because not you're talking about one week and in – perhaps, you know, maybe one of the worst matchups you can have. New England's been second best in fancy at limiting running back points. And so, you know, this is just a very low upside. I'm just going to follow follow the guy that might get 10 plus touches and hope for the best kind of a, a situation. And look at, you know, not everything can be just first world problems. There's there's fantasy owners out there who have these kind of situations. So I get it. But just know what you're getting when you get into the John Hillman business here. <laughs> yeah, it's a good way. That's a very good way to put it. Uh, and uh, it's going to, it really is just a pure desperation play because it should be Saquon back shortly thereafter. You're really not getting, not only are you getting a, a low value guy on a bad offense, but you're likely only getting him for one or two weeks. So this is not someone who you want to sink uh, any sort of uh, significant fab or waiver priority resources into. Uh, next one we have to talk about a little bit is Adrian Peterson. Uh, his ownership rate has dipped uh, south of 50% on Yahoo, uh, still a little bit higher on CBS, which is typically the case, uh, right around the same on ESPN. Uh, again, he's, it's a terrible team. It's a team that's not getting any better, but he leads the team in carries. He leads the team in rushing yards. He has the team's only rushing TD. Uh, for me, he's a, if he's sitting out there in a league that I'm in, uh, he's a depth play at the, at the running back position. And again, the buys are really starting to hit us heavy now here in week six, but he's not someone who I want to be uh, trusting as an every week starter. Yeah, but he might be someone you really want to play this week against Miami, right? Like yeah. that's a, it's a you know the mother of all matchups here. They get the most fancy points. I mean, I'm just looking at the rundown of running backs to put up, you know, double digit fancy points against Sam. And you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight running backs. You know, through four games, so basically they're averaging, you know, two running backs per game, putting up double digit fancy points against them. So Adrian Peterson as the main ball carrier, uh, you know, I might be. I'll probably be ranking him as a back end RB two this week. Wow. So, I mean, can you conceivably against the Miami Dolphins see a top 25 running back finish this week? I, I certainly could. And again, who's, I mean, look who's off the board, David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs, Marlon Mack, uh, Frank Gore, Devin Singletary, Tariq Cohen, right? I mean, all those guys off the board here uh, with those four teams being on by. So I definitely could. I mean, that's, it's funny that we got those two teams getting together. And I mean, you know, there's going to be some, uh, some talk about Adrian Peterson and, 
Preston Williams and Trey Quinn and guys like that just yeah, because exactly. of what the matchups look like. So, yeah, if, uh, if Peterson's available uh, in, in a league you're in, uh, definitely someone who's got at least short to extreme short-term viability uh, with Washington taking on Miami this week. And, again, uh, anyone who's going to lead their team in carries relatively comfortably as he is probably has at least depth value in all but the shallowest of fantasy leagues. So Adrian Peterson, uh, it feels like the 50% ownership rate is pretty fair, but uh, someone who you might want to take a look at, make sure he's owned in your league before you move on to any of these other guys. Uh, Raheem Mostert is someone who uh, we just got to mention. Uh, 49ers play later today. Uh, we're taping this on uh, on Monday morning, so 49ers and Browns get together uh, later tonight uh, on Monday Night Football. Got to pay t- close attention to his usage. We know this is going to be a backfield that is split between two or three uh, guys when Tevin Coleman comes back. If they still keep Jeff Wilson in the rotation, could be split between even four guys. So it could prove to be a, uh, a backfield that is more of a headache than is worth figuring out. But Mostert, uh, you can't deny that he has been a productive guy this season. 34 carries for 202 yards, uh, four grabs on six targets for 68 yards, and a receiving touchdown has played 36% of the snaps thus far for San Francisco. Uh, is there anything you could see from him tonight, Funston, that would make you more excited about him than where you currently are on him? Well, I think the problem could be that they're saying Tevin Coleman's available tonight, and so he's available, but they may choose not to use him, uh, which doesn't mean, you know, that they won't use him heavily next week. You know, it's kind of like how Melvin Gordon was available his first week back and they didn't really use him. And then, you know, then the next week they were, it was game on. So we could see Monster get a decent workload tonight. I, you just, just know that, you know, Tevin Coleman's not going to be a bench player. He's going to be firmly in the mix. And so if someone's going to get cut out of the situation uh, next week, it's most likely to be monster. He's kind of the Justin Jackson, you know, of this backfield. And now that Tevin Coleman's back, you can just assume that, you know, it's going to be fading back into the woodwork at some point. It may not be this coming week or it may not be this Monday night, but it most likely would be the start at least next weekend. Yeah, can't, can't imagine Matt Breeder or Tevin Coleman going anywhere, so Raheem Mostert's days as a fantasy player uh, might be numbered with Coleman on his way back. A couple of uh, handcuffs I just want to mention really quick, and then we can move on. Two wide receivers, Alexander Madison and Reggie Bonifon. Uh, Madison has, uh, you know, we've talked about him quite a bit in this space, might have some standalone value, uh, especially in games where the Vikings project as comfortable favorites as they were against the Giants. Seven carries for 52 yards in that game. If you've got Delvin Cook, I think you need Alexander Madison. And it might be time for uh, Christian McCaffrey owners to handcuff uh, Reggie Bonifon as well. It looks like he would be that pure one-for-one replacement should McCaffrey go down with an injury. Uh, if he does go down with an injury, obviously uh, you're going to be hurting no matter who you have to turn to. But we did see Bonifon with the long touchdown run last uh, or yesterday when McCaffrey was dealing with a cramping issue. Five carries, 80 yards, and that score. So uh, doesn't have, if it doesn't have standalone value. If McCaffrey's healthy, Reggie Bonifon is uh, not someone who we care about really in fantasy leagues. But with Christian McCaffrey looking like the uh, fantasy number one overall player, it's time. I think I'm comfortable handcuffing him uh, this early in the season. Reggie Bonifon looks like that guy. Let's move on now to the wide receiver position where, uh, after Auden Tate, we turn our attention to the former Bengal, Mohamed Sanu. Five targets or more in every single game this season. He got exactly five in week five. Caught all of them for 42 yards and a touchdown. Funston, he leads this team at the wide receiver position in snap rate. More than Julio Jones, more than Calvin Ridley. I mean, he's the guy who's out there when they only have one receiver on the field. Uh, I think that all that and what we've seen, the, the relative consistency we've seen from him over the last couple of weeks, makes him a worthy depth play in most fantasy leagues. 
Yeah, he's definitely, and, and I think the the thing you can say about him is he's sort of a safe, you know, going to give you forty to sixty yards, going to give you you know three to five catches, and you're not going to score very often. But most every week you can rely on that because he's out there so often. He's going to give you something, but he's just such a low upside. Uh, he's such a low ceiling. And again, we've said this before, he's such a good blocker. He's out there a lot uh, for those reasons as well. And, you know, he's at 56 yards per game right now. He's been between 43 and a half and 56 in Atlanta. He's always been kind of the same guy. He's going through a five-game run that's probably better than most five-game runs you could find while he's been in Atlanta, but not appreciably so. It's just it's just a slightly better of Sanu than what you're normally getting. Yeah, uh, I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. And again, uh, really not more than a depth receiver. I do think, though, that in most 12-teamers, he's probably worth owning unless it's a, you know, a very short bench or very short starting lineups uh, with what we've seen from him. Uh, and you know Matt Ryan throwing the ball a billion times a game. Uh, I think there's probably a team in every league who can find a way to get Mohamed Sanu on the roster. Next guy uh, is Jamison Crowder. He has seen his ownership rate dip significantly uh, in the, the Luke Falk era in New York. But uh, Sam Darnold, again, I would be pretty surprised if he didn't play week six. I would be shocked if he didn't play week seven. Uh, and so there's, I think there's some, there's some long-term value here. I mean, remember what Jamison Crowder did in week one. Uh, remember what he did in his time in Washington. Once Sam Darnold gets back, I think we're going to see a much different looking Jets offense than we've seen from week two on. Yeah. And for those that don't remember what he did in week one, 17 targets, 14 catches, 99 receiving yards. So that was Sam Darnold and we haven't seen Sam Darnold since then. Um, and so we, you know, it's, I can understand maybe for a month, it's a hard time to kind of throw a guy like Jameson Crowder on your bench and just let it ride. Uh, but if you did cut him loose, it's time to pick him back up because we're excited about these receiving options with the Jets and the whole setup there. Uh, once Dar- Darnold's back in terms of our talents, no comparison between him and Luke Falk. Luke Falk's done an okay job, serviceable job, you know, mind the fort while Darnold's been out. But there should be a considerable upgrade for these guys in the receiving core for the Jets. Yeah, what are we thinking? Uh, I mean, are, are we thinking once Darnold's back that we're that we're just right back to where we had Crowder before uh, the Mono situation? Which was what, like just inside the top forty? Yeah, yeah like right I, in there. I, I, I would be comfortable uh, slotting him in that range in that back, you know, last half of the top, like top thirty-five to top forty range, sort of like in wide receiver three consideration. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, certainly if if he rekindles the week one stuff, he's a guy that, you know, could move into that top 30 discussion. Yeah, a guy who just shouldn't be. Obviously, circumstances uh, are going to make some people drop him. But definitely now that we know Darnold is on the way back, uh, should be owned. I mean, I think we're going to see his ownership rate drop or go from, you know, it could double in one week, right, because of the return of Sam Darnold. So grab him while you still can. You likely will not be able to do so next week. Uh, Deontay Johnson, a quiet game for him in week five, at least in terms of pure production, but he got eight more targets. He's at six targets or more in all of Mason Rudolph's starts, and that has translated to 14 grabs on 20 targets for 156 yards and two touchdowns. Um, you know, We know Mason Rudolph got the concussion in week five, but uh, this is a guy in Deontay Johnson who I think pretty safely the wide receiver too until something uh, changes for, for the foreseeable future. I would say probably for the rest of the season, he's the wide receiver too in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and we'll see. Pittsburgh may, you know, 
may open things up a little bit. They weren't really, you know, throwing downfield with Rudolph and maybe with if Devin Hodge is their guy for a couple weeks because Rudolph looks like he might be out for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Emory Hunt has column come out today on the Athletic. He he knows Devin Hodge from his time at uh, I want to say. Samford? Is that where he was from? Samford? But anyways, a guy, a small college guy that he saw and, you know, said he's a real gunslinger type. So if they play to his strengths, they might let him throw downfield a bit. Again, you know, the season's kind of getting away from him. So what do they have to lose? You know, and if they start doing that, um, I think that, that helps all these receivers. None of this, none of these receivers since Roethlisberger has been out are really getting rich in fantasy and uh, it's kind of been a you know product of the system, but that could change and could change because Pittsburgh season's getting away from, them, but also because they have a guy that uh, likes to throw the ball downfield. They may just start letting him. It's kind of remarkable how Juju's been able to like grind his way to you know right like yeah. sixteen PPR points more often than not. Right, not pretty. Uh, he's a, he's just a you know he's a talented guy. It's, I always have a hard time seeing guys that are really talented in rough situations where they're kind of their talents being wasted a little bit. Right. But at least as you mentioned, he's managed to grind out some respectability there. Yeah, we'll never know what could have been this season for him with Antonio Brown gone and a healthy Ben Roethlisberger. That's certainly uh, unfortunate. Uh, how about Geronimo Allison? Uh, and in first game without uh, Devonte Adams, uh, he got six targets, only caught two of them, only for twenty eight yards, but he got the targets. He played sixty two of Green Bay's seventy two snaps uh could be another missed game for Devonte adams the packers uh play monday night football against the lions in week six uh where are we putting geronimo allison in the waiver wire pecking order this week yeah just watching the game against dallas he could have had a bigger game aaron Rodgers uh airmailed him on a wide open kind of like deep cross that may would have maybe potentially ended up with the touchdown so he could have had a bigger day uh and you know like i said um Rodgers, who doesn't miss people too often just just uh managed to on that one but uh i don't i mean adams isn't going to be gone long I, I i hate to compare myself but like i had a, i had a pretty bad turf toe in high school <laughs> i missed i missed two i missed two football games um uh, actually i only missed one we had a bye and then i missed another one but uh, i think he can play in two weeks so i I, w- I would give him a decent chance to play on monday night if he doesn't play then he's back the next week. I uh, I feel pretty confident in that. It's a true turf toe injury. <laughs> you know, we uh, we as you know, we uh, put the you know timestamps in for uh, <laughs> like certain moments in the podcast and every podcast. And I'm for sure timestamping. Funston compares himself to Devontae Adams in this one. <laughs> I think that's 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 clickbait right there. Funston brings his year decades old turf toe high school injury. <laughs> to the to the uh grounds to compare right. to what when Devonte adams might be able to return <laughs> <laughs> gotta love that doing new stuff every week here on wire to wire how about willie sneed um uh, four catches on five targets for 51 yards uh in week five he does have two touchdowns this season the real thing here though is uh, Marquise uh, Brown and Mark Andrews both a little banged up in that game for the Ravens. Uh, They squeaked out against the Steelers. Uh, Willie Sneed might have some short-term value with those guys being potentially injured. Ravens host the Bengals in week six, so that certainly is a good matchup. But uh, again, just another guy who maybe I put a dollar on if I need some help at the wide receiver position. Otherwise, there's just not a whole lot here. Yeah, in terms of upside, he's kind of the AFC's Mohamed Sanu, right? Like right, the right. guy that a lot of weeks is going to get you four catches, 51 yards, and every once in a while he'll sneak into the end zone. But uh, he's fairly consistent in that capacity, and he's he was the one guy when Lamar Jackson last year took over other than Mark Andrews, who kind of was like weekly 
offering something. You know, there was a lot of inconsistent inconsistency with the vertical passing game, but uh, Sneed in the slot was always sort of reliable to give you something. Again, you're not going to get rich with him, but, uh, you know, serviceability is worth something to some people. Yeah, um, it's 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 sad that that's exactly where we are with the wide receivers, and that's really the rest of them. So I don't know. I'm I'm going to make an executive decision and say that we don't need to spend too much time talking about these next few guys. Um, the only two guys who I see, mm, you know, I'm looking at our list here, and maybe I see, yeah, I think I see two as having any sort of long term viability. One of them is Cole Beasley. Uh, a very quiet game as expected against Tennessee with Josh Allen just coming off the concussion. Uh, three targets, caught him all for 21 yards. Uh, but he's got 39 targets on the season. Uh, so he's going to, I mean, it's eight targets per game. He's going to catch a lot of those because of the sort of routes that he runs. So there's some PPR value in Cole Beasley, uh, but that's really all I see. Uh, I think that uh, in standard leagues, you can probably take a pass on him entirely. Half PPR or full PPR, though, someone who uh, I think has uh, enough value to be a depth receiver. Yeah, can I, I'll throw one other name out there, and it's Albert Wilson. I've said him before, but I, I just, I, you know, so many of these guys that we have listed here, like Cole Beasley and stuff, we're all they're all kind of known. I, I right. don't know. Albert Wilson's played so little in the last two years, and when he was on the field last year, he was great. And uh, when he was on the field this year, was a very it was a very short period of time. But he was targeted like four times in the matter of a little over a quarter, and he was given like given a handoff as well. Uh, like I think he fits pretty well as kind of a, a complement to the the vertical threats that are Preston Williams and Devonte Parker, and I think Josh Rosen might sort of you know lean on Albert Wilson as kind of like the target leader going forward if he can get back and play this week, which sounds like they're optimistic that he can. So just because everybody else is sort of known, I might right. just gamble for a week or two on the unknown and, and see if, you know, there's, there's something more there than what these other guys have to offer. Yeah. And as we said, a very nice matchup for Miami against Washington this week. So uh, Albert Wilson, Preston Williams, Devonte Parker, Trey Quinn, Paul Richardson, all could be streamable. And, and as Funston just said, perhaps Albert Wilson has a little bit more long-term value than anyone else there. Uh, I will mention also Demarius Thomas uh, played his first game since week two yesterday, uh, got nine targets, played 78% of the jet snaps. That was more than Robbie Anderson or Jamison Crowder. Uh, the Sam Darnold return uh, boosts everyone in this offense. So he's someone who, uh, you know, as I look up and down at this list uh, of guys, he's the one guy who I would think has some long-term value there. The thing I do worry about though, is Jamison Crowder, Robbie Anderson, Chris Herndon, I could see Demarius Thomas, Le'Veon Bell, I could see Demarius Thomas being the number five option in a passing game that even though it's better with Sam Darnold, it's not like we're talking about this suddenly turning you know, into the Chiefs or anything like that. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's a fair there's a lot of there's a lot of people kind of barking for attention there in an offense. So the good thing is, is again, it's most likely to be a, a team that's gonna have to throw the ball. So yeah. uh it won't be too conservative, hopefully. Another uh, handful of options that I'll just run through quickly uh, before we move on uh, and uh, give just sort of a, a one-sentence description on how they might fit into your team. Uh, Darius Slayton did have uh, five targets, caught four of them for 62 yards and a touchdown in week five, uh, 12 targets in his last three games. Uh, but uh, that giant situation, very crowded with Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, and Evan Ingram all probably comfortably ahead of him in the pass-catching pecking order and Saquon Barkley 
due back uh, in a week or two. So again, a low value guy, AJ Brown, we know he's a boomer bust option. He busted in week two or excuse me, in week five, did have a touchdown taken off the board by penalty. Uh, but again, with four teams on by six of the next seven weeks, boomer bust guys like AJ Brown could be someone who you uh, throw into your lineup knowing that one catch could make him a very worthwhile starter. Uh, as long as Christian Kirk and Demir Bird are injured, Keyshawn Johnson is going to be the wide receiver two in Arizona, played 95% of the snaps in week five, and the Cardinals have a nice matchup against the Falcons in week six. Anthony Miller put up season highs of four catches, seven targets, and 52 yards in week five for the Bears and their uh, loss to the Raiders over in London. So they have a bye week six, so obviously you're not using Anthony Miller then. And then worth noting that his 78% snap rate was uh, a lower one than Javon Wims had and Taylor Gabriel wasn't active for this game. So again, another low value guy. Uh, last one I'll mention Dante Pettis. Keep an eye on what he does tonight. I've been beating the drum. Ah, not, I'll say I've been tapping the drum for him more, a, <laughs> uh, more like a, uh, you know, little drummer boy than, uh, than me, uh, you know, pounding the bass drum. Uh, like I'm John Bonham or something. Uh, but he did have uh, five targets, four grabs, 20 yards, and a touchdown in week three. Uh, no one in that San Francisco passing game outside of George Kittle is really distinguishing himself. So I think there's an open door for Dante Pettis to walk through. We'll see what he does against the Cleveland Browns here uh, tonight. At the tight end position, we hit on Everett. We hit on Herndon. Is there anyone else to talk about here, Funston? I guess I'm sort of interested in what happens with Ben Watson once he's activated. Um, you know, that's been an offense in the Patriots that has obviously uh, thrown to their tight end an awful lot. Of course, it's, you know, the generational talent, Rob Gronkowski. But, uh, you know, I'll be if, if they plug Ben Watson in and he becomes the majority shareholder of that tight end position, um, he would be interesting to me as maybe a, you know, as a, as a two tight end league kind of guy or a or a bi-week replacement kind of guy. You could see him having a few spots during the, the course of the rest of the year where he makes a little bit of a fancy impact. They had a uh, tight end touchdown yesterday, didn't they? I, I think I remember seeing one out of the corner of my eye. Yeah, yeah, Ryan Izzo. Yeah, yeah. He, he scored. So, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Ben Watson could factor in there. and But again, that shows you how much we're reaching. Everett and Herndon clearly uh, more valuable than him. I, I want to believe in Jack Doyle. But yeah, the, that's just such a, a dicey situation. And uh, again, another offense that really is winning with its run game uh, behind Marlon Mack, who has just been ultra impressive so far this season, uh, just having an absolutely excellent year. Uh, and he's really been the heartbeat of that offense. So Jack Doyle, uh, three targets in that game, caught them all for 19 yards. Uh, that surprising win for the Colts over the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. Hard for me to get behind him as anything more than a streamer. And again, if you're going if, to if, look, if you're thinking about picking up Jack Doyle, I would be willing to bet that Gerald Everett or Chris Herndon is available in your league. Go after one of them. And if you don't get them, then you can throw some love at Jack Doyle. Uh, but uh, there's I don't think there's any reason to make a, a claim for him. You can still probably get him as a free agent. So uh, that is that pretty much puts a bow on the tight end position at the quarterback position. Again, I mean. Yeah, everyone has value in super flex leagues of this position. So Devlin Hodges, uh, if he is going to be the starter in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, jumps up as someone who maybe we have to take a shot on. Uh, the one guy who could be interesting, though, if he's out there is Dwayne Haskins. Uh, yeah, I don't think Colt McCoy is the long term answer for Washington. Uh, Washington made the move of firing John Gruden at a uh, cruelly early 5 a.m. meeting, uh, as we're hearing uh, from reports this morning. Uh, I got to believe, Funston, that Dwayne Haskins steps in sooner rather than later. And is there a better spot to get him his first career start than against Miami? No, you wouldn't think so. Uh, I mean, not by the numbers. There certainly wouldn't be. Um, 
you know, it, it would be nice. I believe they're on the road for this one. It'd be nice to have a home game landing, but uh, if if you know, in lieu of that, Miami's about as good as it gets. So I, they should be at least, um, you know, kind of gearing him up to play soon. Like, and right. maybe it's kind of McCoy is just kind of the stopgap, but they should be trying to get him the reps and everything he needs to feel comfortable and get in there and turn the corner. It'll be interesting to see with Gruden gone, you know what what the mentality is and what their philosophy is with Haskins going forward. If he plays this week, do you put him on the stream radar? Uh, you know, I think it's a pretty, and we'll talk about this. I think it's actually a pretty good streaming week for guys that mm-hmm. are, uh, that are highly available. So I probably wouldn't lean or, you know, lean his direction unless it's a pretty dire straits. You're like in a, you know, a two, two, two quarterback league and single quarterback leagues, even 14 teams. I think you're going to find one of these guys that we'll be talking about in a second here that uh, will be available to you. Yeah. Let's get into that stream right now. This looks like, uh, I think arguably the best stream of the season that we've had at the quarterback position, all these quarterbacks owned in 40% of leagues or fewer. So a lot of you are going to be able to go ahead and grab one of these guys. If you need some help at QB again, bears, Raiders, bills, and Colts on by. So, um, you know, Derek Carr perhaps is someone people have been thinking about. Josh Allen, Jacoby Brissett, certainly people that guy that uh, fantasy owners have been thinking about. So uh, if you need some help, uh, you're going to be able to find it this week on the stream. Uh, here's a full list uh, of guys I would be interested in. Kirk Cousins and Minnesota at home against the Eagles. Very uh, leaky pass defense. Gardner Minshew gets the Saints at home. Marcus Mariota uh, heads to Denver to take on the Broncos. Kyle Allen gets the Buccaneers in Carolina. Sam Darnold, if he does return, takes on the Cowboys, which is not necessarily a great spot, but uh, could be someone worth considering. Andy Dalton takes on a Baltimore Ravens defense that has been a little friendlier than we typically would expect uh, that game in Baltimore. I think you can make an argument for any of these guys. Obviously, there are some I'd be more interested in others, uh, but I'll let you take uh, first crack at this one, Funston. Okay, I'll give you my top three. I would go Cousins uh, as my number one. He's got the he's got you know the most proven track record with great receivers and Thielen and Diggs, and you got the great matchup against the Eagles. Uh, and they showed that they were going to be willing to open things up a little bit. They, everybody seems a little bit happier in Minnesota today than they did at this time last week. Um, Gardner Minshew, the Saints have been. Um, Fairly generous to quarterbacks in fantasy. And Gardner Minshew, man, another impressive week. And I'm kind of at the point where I think this guy is uh, legitimately pretty good. And um, they got a thing going on. And he's uh, DJ Shark and the weapons he has. I mean, he's done a great job. And they've established a running game there. So they have good balance. And that's keeping defenses honest. And Minshew's taking advantage of that a little bit. So he would be my number two. And then my number three, I think, would be Kyle Allen, who, you know, it's been kind of, you know, his numbers have been kind of middling, but it's a good matchup against the Bucks. Another team has been generous in fantasy and Kyle Allen, not making mistakes. He looks pretty good. Just that, you know, he looks like he looks like a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe there's an opportunity for 250 yards and two touchdowns. I don't think you're going to get rich with Kyle Allen and they're going to obviously lean on Christian McCaffrey as much as they can, but they should have scoring opportunities in this game. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if Allen, as I said, something like 250 and two touchdowns, not, not a bad day at the streaming office. Yeah, and Kyle Allen gets the uh, luxury of uh, dumping a ball off to Christian McCaffrey, you know, five times a game, letting him do all the right. work and get the stats for it. 
Right, so you, exactly. you, you got to love that. Uh, we are in absolute lockstep in this. That is the exact same top three in the exact same order. I would put them in Cousins, Minshew, Allen for all the reasons you said. Uh, so I'll just go on from there then uh, rank the other three. Uh, if you are unable to get Cousins, Minshew, or Allen, uh, I would put Andy Dalton next. Uh, this has a lot to do with um, the fact that the Ravens defense, uh, not one that I'm really scared. I'm not saying they're you know a pushover, but they're not someone who I- I'm really scared of in a matchup and a game where I think that Andy Dalton's going to throw the ball a ton. Uh, he's got Tyler Boyd. He's got Auden Tate. So he's got a couple of receivers who I'm, I'm comfortable trusting as my top two weapons. Uh, the next guy who I would go to is Sam Darnold. Again, not the, not a great matchup against the Cowboys, but uh, you know, Darnold uh, was a, a top 20 or so quarterback uh, coming into the season for a reason. We really haven't seen him at all this year. Give me Jamison Crowder. Give me Robbie Anderson. Give me Go- or, uh, uh, Chris Herndon coming back, getting my uh, suspended New York pass catchers confused. Uh, give me uh, Demarius Thomas, Le'Veon Bell. I like that uh, that group of weapons. And then sixth and last would be Marcus Mariota. You probably won't have to reach down for him. I would imagine you can get one of these five. But a very strong week on the streaming radar. Just to recap, uh, Funston and I go Cousins 1, Minshew 2, Allen 3. And then if you have to go beyond that, Darnold, or excuse me, Dalton and Darnold, the next guys that uh, we would consider. How about the defenses to stream funds? And again, uh, a week where I think you can find some viable options, uh, multiple ones, or so if you don't get your first one, your second or your third still might be worth playing. Uh, how do you handicap uh, what we're looking at here in week six? Yeah, I was very impressed with the Packers defense. I don't know how you, like, if they're out there, I don't know how you could go away from them after, uh, you know, the performance they put up against Dallas. They were in Dak Prescott's face all game long. Uh, they get to go home, get to face the Lions. The Lions have been, uh, you know, in the upper half of generosity to opposing defenses their offense has. So uh, things match up pretty well. You, all your check boxes of the home team favored. Uh, I forget what your other checkbox was, but uh, pass rush, pass rush. And they got that as well. So I think Packers are number one for me. I would be interested in the Chiefs at home just because, uh, you know, you can get after Deshaun Watson. You can sack him. So you might, you know, get four or five, six sacks against him. He's been pretty good at, at not turning the ball over, but um he would be someone I'd be interested in. And if Dwayne Haskins, honestly, as much as I like him as being the guy that they should turn to in Washington behind center there, if he's getting a start, if he's playing this week against the dolphins and dolphins are at home, I remember Haskins came in and threw three, three interceptions right out of the gates uh, in his, you know, when he got plugged in a couple weeks ago. So, as weird as it would sound, like I don't think Miami Dolphins are a terrible streaming defense this week, if that's the case. Yeah, I don't think they are either. They're going to probably be a pretty popular DFS play because of how cheap you'll get them. Uh, so you, I agree with you. Packers are the number one uh, defense to go after on the stream this week. You also mentioned the Chiefs and you mentioned the Dolphins. Uh, three other defense that, that jump out at me. Uh, one of them is the Broncos at home against the Titans. They're going to be favored. Uh, that Titans offense is not one anyone should be scared of. They drove that home again in their loss to the Bills in week five. Uh, Panthers at the Buccaneers. This is probably my least favorite of all the ones we've got listed here. Um, but I do think, you know, Jameis Winston is a guy who's prone to, to uh, mistakes. Uh, so you could, uh, you know, get some pressure on him. The Panthers have been able to generate a lot of quarterback pressure so far this season and pressure him into a couple of mistakes. And even though uh, Gardner Minshew had himself a, a very productive game against them, uh, that team still got after him, forced a couple of turnovers, returned to fumble for a touchdown. So you'll 
certainly take that from a stream defense. And then how about the other side of that Washington-Miami game? I mean, both of those defenses going up against weak offenses, they could be worth streaming. So uh, if you need to reach a little deeper, I think you can go. I I agree I would take Miami first just for the mere fact that they're playing at home. Uh, But uh, I think you could go after either Washington or Miami in that game if you need help. But uh, we're in agreement here. The Packers, uh, who are widely available, uh, largely because I don't think anyone wanted to trust them uh, going into Dallas and taking on the Cowboys. So that's why they find themselves as you know free agents across the uh, fantasy landscape uh, in big numbers. They are easily the top target for me. I already have a claim in, uh, in for them in one of my leagues. Typically, I, make, I don't do my uh, whole waiver process until Tuesday, but uh, that was just such an obvious one that I filed it this morning. I'm not going to say which league it is, if my, just in case those league mates are listening, but in one of my more important leagues, they are already on my waiver list. So I will be with you. Anyone who makes a claim for them, I'll be with you next week in, in hoping that the Packers have themselves a good defensive game against the Lions. Yeah, I like the way it's uh, set up for them, and I, I agree. They, they won't be a, a defense we can talk about after this week because they'll be well over the threshold right. after what they did against Dallas. Yeah, it's been a really impressive showing from that defense really all season long. And, uh, you know, early in the year we were talking about, ah, well, you know, they played Mitch Trubisky and they played uh, Kirk Cousins at home and then they played Joe Flacco. But now we've seen them put together a couple of uh, impressive defensive performances and one against a Dallas team that had been you know, steamrolling every team uh, it played over the first couple of weeks of the season. And so definitely an impressive showing uh, from the Green Bay Packers and what defense that uh, maybe you're going to want to hold on to if you're able to pick up this week uh, for the foreseeable future. That's going to do it for us in this Monday week six edition of Wire to Wire. Thank you for listening. Uh, again, you can get Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Funston. You can get me at M. Beller. Uh, take advantage of our 40% off offer for an annual subscription. Go to theathletic.com slash wire to wire to do just that. And you will get access to Jake Seeley's waiver wire column uh, available at midnight Eastern on Monday night. As I say, every week you take wire to wire, you take Jake's column, you put them together and you've got that waiver wire covered from every conceivable angle. Thank you so much for joining us. Funston and I will be back with you on Wednesday, also with Jake for the ranking show. And he and I will get together on Friday to take a one last look at the week six stream and get you ready for your week seven waiver claims on our Friday subscribers only edition of wire to wire until then. Good luck with your waiver claims. Have a great couple of days. We'll talk to you on the ranking show on Wednesday. Thanks for listening to wire to wire. Wire.